All right, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Did uh, I do it? Did I speed run our intro? I think that was our, our best any percent run of the, <laughs> the Panic Mode podcast. Oh man, welcome everybody. This is Panic Mode, and today we're talking about speed running, which is doing things real fast. <laughs> do you think it'll ever be a thing where you have to like speed run like Netflix shows or something? Is that a yes, thing we can do? Yes, absolutely. Well, because Netflix shows are becoming like gamified, like they're adding in like oh, choices yeah. and stuff. So that I bet speed there's speed run new... Yeah, speed run Bandersnatch. It's going to be a new a new phenomenon. <laughs> All right, so speed running, kind of a, a newer thing on the block in terms of game design. Mm-hmm. So, uh million dollar question, what is speed running? Oh man. So in its simplest essence, it is completing a game as fast as you possibly can. So there are different categories that kind of like branch off of this definition. And if you're somebody who's into watching speedrunning videos, a lot of the time you'll see these categories displayed somewhere on the screen right. as 100% or, or any percent sometimes. So 100% run is like completing the entire game, including all of its side content. Um, so these runs are typically going to be longer than their any percent counterparts, which means any percent is like what it sounds like. You complete the game, but anything goes. So you can kind of like make up your own rules um, or communities might make up their own rules for like what different interesting combinations of things that you have to do are. Um, maybe it's like, I don't know, like not the side quests, but like this one specific thing or like certain bosses that you have to hit in a game like Dark Souls, for example. Um, there's also a really fun category um, which I really like is any percent can include using glitches. And so the opposite category to that <clears throat> is any percent inbounds or glitchless, which means completing the game without the use of certain exploits, which is a little less fun for me personally. Um, but I understand why it's there. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're watching some, uh, some, any any percent runs that are allowing glitches and the players just going in and out of bounds and it's, yeah. it's it's kind of fun in its own way but it can be kind of also hard to understand what mm-hmm. the hell is going on this is very true yeah so uh i think it's almost more fun to to do like the super glitchy runs and then it might be more fun to watch the glitchless ones because you know what's going on unless you know the game really well i think it really depends on the player and, and who's watching and what you're interested in but the cool part is there's really a speed run for everybody <laughs> and that's yeah. what i like so much about it uh so we're going to talk a little bit about the history today why this genre is important and something that aiden said at the beginning is that designing games for speed running specifically is kind of a newer thing that's popped up um and something we're actually really excited about so let's let's hop in where did speed running come from <laughs> well our Arguably, it could date back to the first time a monkey ever decided it could run to a certain rock faster than the other monkey. <laughs> but if we want to talk to when it was more formalized into something that would resemble what we have today, I would probably say the arcade leaderboards you would see on the old arcade machines in the 70s and 80s, where you would have high scores that any player could access. And that was kind of like a speedrunning leaderboard, depending on the game. There's a series on YouTube um, by a YouTuber called Summoning Salt, and they focus specifically on videos of the histories of speedrunning records. And I think he was saying that there's often old games, uh, early, early records that trace back to like the 90s. So clearly this has been something that's been done for a while. It's a fun thing. People have always kind of tried to do. And what's really interesting to see is as, you know, the years go on and and games, older games have existed for so long, people are always finding faster ways to do things. or the racing Mario Mario racing. Kart 64 Mario Kart 64 
just like in the past couple years, there's been breakthroughs in times and, and getting them yeah, down. That it's crazy that you'll see if you go to speedrun.com, which is kind of one of the bigger aggregates of speeder speedrun leaderboards, that the Mario Kart 64 community is still very active to this day, but they have records dating back to the 90s and they're all on that one leaderboard. Which yeah. Is really cool. Yeah. I think that's it's so interesting. The communities can be, you know, they can last a really long time. And I think that's also part of the uh, draw to design games specifically for speedrunning. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little more later, but creating communities that are really loving your game because there's this uh, chance to, to get faster times, to engage with people about a common, a common goal that everybody has. I think that can be a really big draw for game designers to, to foster a community, but also of course for the community because there's a lot of love that goes into this, uh, this type of gameplay. And it's really, it's really cool to watch and to see. Um, so, so like we were saying, this genre has grown significantly in the past decade as well with the creation of something maybe some of you have seen, it's called GDQ, Games Done Quick, and that started in 2010. This was also alongside the rise of Twitch and YouTube. So these videos of people doing these insane runs were suddenly becoming way more accessible for the broader community. And I think that's how a lot of people also got into speedrunning is seeing other people do it, think, wow, that's really neat. <laughs> and then joining the community and learning it yourself. And um, that's how you got involved in Skyrim speedrunning. Yeah, I saw, um, I think it was Game Grumps, like Steam Train back in the day or something, but they had done a run of Skyrim. It was, it was a really bad run, like to be fair. <laughs> to be fair, but they had done their research as to what the steps were. And so I copied what they had said. And I think I was pretty, like I got um, some really serious skips in and it was just, I was so filled with joy <laughs> while I was doing it. Um, so that's what really got me interested. And we've been, you and I have been watching runs ever since. Like we always yeah. check the the GDQ YouTube page, Game Done's Quick, uh, Games Done Quick, and we're always seeing what like the newest run is and always wondering, should we, should we try? Should we pick a game and, and speed run it? <laughs> well, it's very nice segue into the fact that part of our research for this episode was learning how to speed run the new game Ghost Runner. Yes. And I, uh, so we did, we did our first casual playthrough mm -hmm. and that took us about an average amount of time. And then a couple days ago, I did my first real speed run attempt and I shaved about two hours off the time, but I think it was just a really special moment when I was able to get my first real skip off. It kind of felt like Tom Hanks and Castaway where he was like, he finally made fire and he was like, oh my God, I, I, I did something. Amazing. Yes. It's, it's a special feeling, right? You're like, man, I can, I can do anything. And it's like, you know, I, naturally I spent 10 minutes trying to get the skip oh, to course. work to, skate, to save, <laughs> skip, save two minutes, but you know, I got the skip to work. Yeah. Um, so wh why is speedrunning important to games and game design? Yeah, so this is something that we were talking about a little bit earlier, is this idea that speedrunning can really promote players looking at your game in brand new ways, right? It draws a lot of interest and that goes back to the community building as well, right? So you're playing this game and as a developer, for example, if you're the one working on your game, you're gonna be looking at it a lot <laughs> in a lot of days in a row, right? And sometimes depending on, I guess the way your brain works <laughs> and who you are as a person, but it can be tough to, to see the game as anything else. And then you get these, these new excited players that come in and suddenly they're like, I just found 30 new ways to break your game, but did you know it actually makes your game better because this is allowing us to speed run it. Um, and that's really interesting. That's a really innovative way of thinking about things. And then all of a sudden, like in Mario Kart 64, you have a community that is continually dedicated over years and years and years to finding the newest skips, the best ways, the fastest ways to run this game, right? So that's a great way to, to drive engagement and to get people 
interested. It's a unique and entertaining way to play games. Obviously there's a huge community dedicated to watching it, including Aiden and I for stuff like games done quick. It would be so cool to go to like a live show of that. Um, if I would love that. If, yeah, if, <laughs> if a live back. shows ever exist again. Um, but it's also cool from a player point of giving players a really new level of mastery to aspire to. So in previous episodes, we've talked about things in games called like skill ceilings. If a game has a high skill ceiling, that means it's gonna take a little bit more effort if you want to be able to really master the mechanics of the game. But speedrunning kind of gives a whole new platform outside of the game itself almost, because not only are you mastering the mechanics to get really good at the game, you're mastering the mechanics to, <laughs> to like <laughs> compromise the game in new ways, especially if you're doing like certain skips or, um, or even not just being extremely good at the game in a way that wasn't called for, you know what I mean? And in a way that yeah. it wasn't, maybe it wasn't intended to be, to be designed as. Um, so that's really exciting too. And of course, players are still gonna have to have a high skill ceiling there because a lot of these runs involve like really mastering the mechanics and, and knowing what you're doing. Um, but a lot of the time too, it's, it could be as fun as like exploiting glitches. And I don't think <laughs> for some glitches, especially like, you know, the famous Skyrim, hold a plate in front of you, walk through doors. <laughs> I think a lot of people can do that. I was able to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, sometimes I take a plate and I walk through doors in real life all the time. Yeah, exactly, right? It's really, the door's it's really open, for anyone. But... <laughs> so I think, I think there's all sorts of different speed runs for all sorts of different people. And it can really, at the heart of it, increase a game's longevity which isn't just good for the developers. It's good for players too. You get to keep playing and expanding on your favorite game. And yeah, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big speed running fan. I think it's such yeah. a fun, it's such a fun thing. <laughs> I'll say this much that if, and when I ever get back to overwatch, my Genji is going to be nice. Oh man. Oh yeah. Cause you've got, you've got the, uh, the Katana work down now. Yeah, You're a yeah. professional. <laughs> I guess he only really brings out the Katana when he's alting. So maybe I'll be better at that part. Oh yeah. The Genji ult. I understand. Okay, so this brings us to a really neat part of this episode. And this is the fact that games are now being designed with speedrunning in mind. Not all of them, but some of them are, such as Ghost Runner. And that's why we're focusing a lot on Ghost Runner this week, because, you know, aside from the name being a big hint that the game is meant to be <laughs> being speedrun, it is kind of uh, one of the many iterations of a game that's being like, look, we're here for the speedrunning community as well. We're designing with you in mind now. Yeah. All right. So Aiden, how can we, we've got some principles here that, that some, yeah. some people have done. So um, we, how do we design games for speedrunning? So we pulled a lot of our research for this episode from a Gamma Sutra article by Bryant Francis and a YouTube video by Snowman Gaming, plus our own expertise, but we'll have both of those linked in the show notes as well. And I think the, the first and foremost thing that anyone will ever say when it comes to making a game better for speedrunning or really any game better period is make your cutscenes skippable. <laughs> and I think the, the broader lesson from here is just removing downtime. That if you have sections of the game where the player essentially doesn't have anything to do, that's not good for speedrunning. Like speedrunning is most entertaining when the player is doing crazy inputs and is always doing something with the game. But unskippable cutscenes, big bad. Bosses that have invulnerable phases, pretty useless. And even just like long areas where you just have to run across fields or something and there's just not a lot of player input, those things take away from a good speedrunning game. Unless you're using the Olympic torch glitch in yes, Skyrim. Exactly. <laughs> and then long stretches of land to run across are no issue. <laughs> This is also why auto scrollers are not great for speedrunning. That's when the screen is moving. So imagine Mario, um, 
But instead of jumping with Mario and as you approach the right side of the screen, the screen moves with you, the screen is auto-scrolling by itself. So the screen is moving and you as the player are left with no choice but to, but to keep up with it basically. So this just means that players can only move as fast as the camera and that's obviously a problem for speedrunning because everyone would just have the same time, which is yeah. the camera. <laughs> um, of course, there are ways that we can maybe toggle these options. And I think you're going to talk about that a little later, which is kind of neat. Um, but the the second thing we want to talk about here are in-game speedrunning incentives. What are those? So uh, dating back to the arcade games, that would include <laughs> things like leaderboards that I think for some players, it would never occur to them to have the best possible time if it wasn't going to be displayed mm -hmm. on the arcade machine for all to see. So, and obviously this is both expanded to leaderboards, both in-game and online and other forums mm -hmm. for people being able to compare their times and scores. Uh, another way that it's done is having achievements. I know Hollow Knight had achievements for beating the game in a certain amount of time mm -hmm. or with a certain number of deaths. And something we've even seen more recently is in-game clocks that time how fast you've been playing. And obviously you'll see things like that in Mario Kart games where it's like, this is how fast your lap was. But now we're going to see it even more specifically where it's like, this is how long it took you to beat this level of Ghost Runner down to the millisecond. Yeah, and that's kind of what we were uh, bringing up before with that idea of toggling certain speedrunning <laughs> um, like assets in your game is we're starting to see dedicated speedrunning modes that you can turn on or off. And this will do things like automatically skip cutscenes and provide timers in the corner, really kind of whatever you need to take away the pieces of the game that we know for speedrunning are not useful. Yeah. <laughs> and they do that automatically, which I think is really neat. And I think most infamously, there's an early Super Mario game that opens on an eight minute unskippable cutscene yes. that everyone has to start with. And yeah. it's just great to watch Twitch streamers be like, all right, here, here, here we go with this run. And then they hit start and they just go and get dinner because they yeah, have a little okay. bit. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys in eight minutes. So another uh, smaller design principle that is really important for good speedrunning games is optimizing the cycles. Mm -hmm. So this is referring to obstacles or enemies or things that the player will have to be, that are timing dependent for the player to solve. And if a player is going really, really fast, they should be able to just catch the best cycle. So if there's like a platform that is sliding across a big gap back and forth, it should be close when the player arrives if they're moving fast enough. They shouldn't have to wait for the platform to come back for them. Does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> Another one is reducing RNG. This one's kind of interesting because RNG can, of course, make runs have some variety, which can kind of work for them. Um, but it can be frustrating if the RNG is extremely dependent, like close to the end of the game, for example, like if runs live or die by certain instances of RNG, that's going to be a little bit of a problem because we've seen games um, and roguelikes are going to be like the biggest kind of example of the exception here, where of course a roguelike by definition has a ton of RNG. And so their speed runs are really all about how the runner can adapt and understand what's going on to be able to, to kind of use it to their advantage. So if games have a little bit of RNG in them and as the run is kind of happening, the player is adapting and, and kind of, okay, I didn't get the item I wanted, but that's okay. Like we can work with the type of deal. Um, I think that that's totally fine and kind of like an extra high stakes type of deal going on. But if it's literally like, okay, we're going to, we're going to roll a dice and if we get a one it's over. And if not, then we get to keep going. Like, I think that's a little bit more on the, um, just disincentivizing, I guess, people to, to speed run your game. Um, unless of course, 
maybe that's like a challenge. I don't know. And they'll find a way to like skip that part of it. <laughs> Speedrunners are so interesting, the things that we can find to exploit in games. But it is something to keep in mind if you're designing your game and you specifically want speedrunners to be able to enjoy it. Remember uh, that Summoning Salt channel we mentioned earlier, the, the YouTube documentarian on speedrunning records? I believe he was doing a video on Contra speedruns, mm. and that was a very optimized run. I think like the times were getting into the 10 minute range, so very mm -hmm. short. And the speedrunners who were still trying to take the next couple seconds off their time were basically in pursuit of what they called lottery tickets where certain boss fights would have optimized cycles for them, but they were randomized. Yeah. So on the optimized cycles, that was the only time they would have a good chance to break the record. And there was a couple of these that had to line up. And when they did, that was what they would call a lottery ticket. And this was all dependent on them having a perfect run otherwise too. <laughs> so this is just the kind of little things that are going to come up once players start getting really deep into the speedrunning of a game. Right, but I guess the important thing there to note too is... That game has a speedrunning community. <laughs> so it succeeded despite right? that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think um, a lot of the time it's just about letting your game be open to having speedrunning strategies come in. Um, and, and that's actually part of it too. So this is the next point we have, which is called rewarding player ingenuity. And this is when players are finding unusual or hidden strategies and it's actually maybe allowing some of these exploits for the player to be able to experiment with. The example that we have here is Spelunky, is a game where the developers actually legitimized a glitch by adding in the appropriate like animations for that glitch. Um, so it became like an actual thing in the game rather than just right. um, some like random exploit, which is, which is really cool. And it's interesting to see games like Hollow Knight which was designed for speedrunning, but still was getting patches after its initial release, mm -hmm. that the developers were essentially condoning or condemning certain speedrunning practices where it's like, okay, we think that skip is fine. We're going we're gonna to stop this one. This one wasn't intended. We don't want you to have that. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting to see how this dynamic plays out because it has led to some speedrunners playing Hollow Knight on down patches of the game. They don't play on the most recent patch yes. because they want certain exploits. Yeah, and I think that might be actually kind of more of a contentious... Thing is allowing devs to have control over what is quote unquote a correct way of speed running a game. I think that might be a little bit more of a yes or no type of topic, but we're not going to be talking about that too much today. It's more just realizing that that's something that can happen and something to be aware of both as a player and as a dev. I think it is really interesting that you have to be on like a certain patch <laughs> if you yeah. want to like have a certain exploit, um, but also like is that necessary? Is that a good thing? Does it have to be that way? Is there a correct way to speed run a game? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and that's okay. It's true. Our next point is basically trying to have an empathetic understanding of how speedrunners are going to approach your game and trying to give them at least a little bit of leeway. Uh, for instance, for the Souls games, which are very commonly sped run, since they are skipping a lot of content, they're typically going to be quite underleveled in the later parts of the mm -hmm. game. And the developers are typically kind of cognizant of ways the player can overcome that deficit. Mm -hmm. In the first Dark Souls game, there was an item called the Red Tear Stone Ring, which was a buff that would give you a very strong attack boost when your health was extremely low. Mm -hmm. So obviously not great for new players because you don't want to be at low health. <laughs> but for experienced players who are almost never going to get hit, it was a way for them to overcome the problem of being severely underleveled. And that was just a very... Very small, but very helpful speedrunning design that was made by the developers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we want to obviously make the note that don't go too far with this in terms of making speedrunning like easy for players. I think part of speedrunning is figuring out 
um, how to do it and along the way discovering new ways to like optimize your run. Um, and it is a bit of a challenge for, for the first part. Uh, I think that's part of the fun and speed running, speed running itself is sort of, at least it started kind of going against the grain of the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was, it was playing these games in, in ways they weren't at least originally, um, intended to be played. And so, yeah, I don't want to make it like take, I guess I don't want to take like the magic away from speed running by just like lining it all up for players, um, in specific ways, because part of the, I don't know, part of the journey is like figuring out what those ways are. Um, yes, maybe the best option there. is just to present a bunch of options, mm-hmm. which is, I think, part of why Breath of the Wild speed runs are so crazy because yes. there is so much emergent gameplay mm-hmm. and so many options for runners to play with. Yes, yeah. Breath of the Wild is, a, I think, a great example, actually, because the mechanics themselves are designed to make the game work. You can do so many things in the game. And then as speedrunners, you can extrapolate from that <laughs> and do insane wild things. Um, and I think that's what's really cool about that is it wasn't specifically like we're going to give speedrunners like easy ways to to do this. A lot of the tricks are actually insanely ridiculous. <laughs> but instead, it's providing, like you said, a variety of mechanics and ways to play the game. Um, and that's how people find those like magical moments of like, oh, if you use this in this way, you'll get shot across the map. <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> and the final point for developing speedrunning oriented games is to involve the speedrunning community. Mm-hmm. You can do it during development, bringing speedrunners to test and break your game and see what kind of things they would want to see for a game they'd want to run. And even more directly is to moderate and or even participate in your game speedrunning community mm-hmm. that the Ghost Runner developers have been moderating the, the Ghost Runner leaderboard, the Discord, and have been participating as well. And the Spelunky developer himself runs the game frequently. So I think this is one of those things you just got to be the change you want to see. You want people to run your game? You run your game. They'll follow, maybe, probably. Yeah, probably. I think it's really cool to see um, this, this sort of leaning for developers, bigger developers especially, reaching out to communities and involving the players that are really there because they love the game. Um, an example that isn't at all to do with speedrunning, but recently EA, I know, has <laughs> uh, included sim uh, sim creators who, are, who do like amazing builds and stuff. And they've included them in creating builds for the new like expansion packs that come out. Because one of the biggest complaints from everybody was that whenever an expansion came out, all of the houses and like builds in the game sucked because nobody (laughs) on like the EA team was like as into like creating these things um, as like professional simmers were basically. So these they brought these people on and they got to like hold hold up a minute. Professional simmer. That's yeah. Professional simmers. Yeah, they're just like the people on YouTube. Um, and Twitch and stuff that that do this for like pr- professionally, I guess, for a living. And they're brilliant at it. Like they're so creative and they make such wonderful things. And so it, it was really, it was just really cool to see like the the coming together of two communities to like make something amazing. And I don't know, show like some care for for the community at large and include some of their work and their builds in the game. I thought that was really really cool. Um, so yeah, that was just my my like fun anecdote for community involvement and how it can be really neat and kind of benefit everybody because now people have good builds. <laughs> Somehow you made our speedrunning episode about The Sims. Oh no. <laughs> so to, to recap the, the, the few points we had about designing games for speedrunning in mind is removing downtime, in-game speedrunning incentives, optimizing cycles, reducing RNG, rewarding player ingenuity, 
understanding how your runners are approaching the game and involving your community. And before we sign off this week, we have a little announcement. Ooh, very exciting. What is it? <laughs> I'm going to pretend I don't know what it is. I do though. <laughs> what is it, Aiden? <laughs> wow, good. Uh, so we have been, we've gotten our YouTube channel back up and running. So all <gasps> of our podcast episodes are going to be up there as well for yes. your viewing pleasure. But we've also, we're also posting a video about my trials and tribulations trying to learn Ghost Runner as a speedrunning game. I, I came in pretty pretty proud of myself. Mm -hmm. I think I finished the first level in like two minutes. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the game took me a bit longer than that. <laughs> so if you want to see us struggle to learn how to speedrun a very hard game to speedrun, check it out. Well, there'll be a link in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Panic Mode. You can reach us on social media at panicmode.net, all spelled out, or on our website, panicmode.net. We would love to hear any comments, questions, or feedback you have about today's episode, and we'll be back next time where we'll go over a brief history of mobile games. We'll see you then.